Hallelujah. Christ is risen. That sounded like the 6 a.m. sunrise service out there. Everybody's like rubbing their eyes. All right. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Woo. I'm Pastor Mark, and it is so great to have you here. It is wonderful to just see your smiling faces in church. And I'm also very grateful to everyone joining us online. Such a pleasure to have so many more people uh, kind of work together with us over the last year. And what a year it has been. Um, what's that? Oh, you got, you got a live feed from one of our families uh, who's worshiping online. That's great. Yeah, put it up. Ah, fantastic. Hey, that's a Lutheran family. Nobody's sitting in the front row. <laughs> Even at home. You people act the same. Well, that's good. It's good to know. More things change, the more they stay the same. Huh. Uh, it has been, uh, it's been quite the year, hasn't it? I know uh, for me and for many of you, uh, it seems like uh, life has uh, been very difficult uh, for a very long time now. And I kind of feel like enough is enough, right? We're ready to move on. And I know uh, for those of you who were... Here last year, I've got news for you. You were not here last year. You were not here in person uh, because we didn't have it here in person. And I know for me and maybe for many other people, it felt at least kind of like Easter was canceled because it just wasn't the same. It didn't have the same oomph, at least. It was very sad. It was very sad. And it kind of reminds me, so there's something this week that happened, just kind of reminds me about how our whole world was turned upside down just over a year ago. And there was a, a marine owner up at uh, Lake Bartlett, just up the road actually from where we are, and it was getting near closing time, and uh, he had one boat still out on the lake. And so he pulled his megaphone up, said, boat, 99. the dock is closing in 15 minutes your way to the dock. I went back to cleaning up and getting ready to close shop. A little bit of time went by, looked up, the boat hadn't moved an inch. Pulls the megaphone back out. Boat 99. We are now closing. You must return immediately. Now, finally, the young guy that worked with him on the arm and said, I think there's something wrong. We only have 75 boats his binoculars, grabbed his megaphone, boat 66, are you okay? Uh, a lot of times last year I felt like boat 66. I felt like my whole life was turned. And I found one cartoon I searched high and low uh, that to illustrate a little bit, at least what my and probably Pastor Jeremy's experience and many pastors uh, were, especially those first six months. Uh, you can see this poor pastor. He's uh, he's got his all his you know nice church clothes. Which Jeremy, I didn't know you owned a tie. That looks really nice. One tie, it's very nice. Uh, all dressed up for the camera, but uh, you can see outside of the shot. Right? He's in shorts and shoes. He's got uh, the dog unders, but he's got clothes everywhere. The whole room is a mess. And I can tell you, even here at church, 
hate to admit it, that's what it looked like. Because you were, you know, if you were watching online, we had different cameras and television set up so we could see what was going on. Cables running everywhere, empty boxes laying around. It, uh, it was just a mess. Everything looked completely different. It was very, very sad. But canceled? You know, they actually tried that once. It was the Saturday after Good Friday. Jesus was crucified. The next day, the religious leaders had an audience with Pilate. And they said, hey, this deceiver told some people that after three days, he was going to rise again. So we know his disciples are going to try to steal his body. Let's have some guards so we can guard the tomb for the next few days and make sure that doesn't happen. Pilate agrees. Take the guards with you. Guard it as, as best you can. Because they knew that if Jesus rose from the dead, if Jesus walked out of that grave, then everything that he said and everything that he claimed to be would be true. And that would turn their world upside down. Only trouble there is that they were, they were at the top. They didn't want the world to be turned upside down. They desperately didn't want their lives to be turned upside down. So they tried everything in their power to make sure the very first Easter celebration would never happen. And if it never happened, there would be no church today. Easter, cancel. Hope in life after death, canceled. Faith in God's love, canceled. And just 25 years later, Paul writes this very honestly. I love how transparent he is. He doesn't sound like a uh, religious snake oil salesman. Hey, try to believe this, this is why. He very honestly says, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is useless. Don't listen to us. And so is your faith. If Christ has not been raised, there's no point in believing anymore. It's a complete waste of time. And I just want to say to anybody who is listening here or listening online, if you're not a member of our church, maybe not even a Christian, I thank God that you're joining us today. You're kind of leaning in to hear what all the fuss is about uh, because these are words of truth. These are words of life. These are words of hope. And if you ever walked away from the faith that you grew up in because of something that was in the Bible, or if you always kept faith at arm's length because of something that was in the Bible, this is something very important to understand. The Christian faith is not founded on the Bible. It is not based on the Bible. It is based on a single event in history. And it's the resurrection. You have to understand that when Jesus died, hope died. There were bewildered Galilean fishermen. There was a heartbroken mother but there were no Jesus disciples. There was no church. There were no believers. After Jesus died, there were no Christians because there was no Christ. Let me just pause right there at that extraordinary moment in history, that Saturday, after the Good Friday, before Easter, 
when the world stood still, nobody believed he was the Messiah anymore. Nobody believed he was the Savior. Nobody believed he was God. And it's really fascinating that nobody writes themselves into the story as this person of diehard faith. Nobody says, yes, but I'm the one that never lost hope. In Scripture, they're so honest. They all stopped believing because they all thought that Jesus would do what dead people always do. What's that? Stay dead, obviously. All the dreams, uh, delusions of grandeur, whatever future they thought they were going to be a part of, it all ended. Jesus is buried, dead and buried, and there is no hope until something happened. Something happened that changed everything. The people who were scared to death, hiding in locked rooms, knowing that the same people who just arrested their rabbi and executed him were on the hunt for them. And they were trying to lay low until this storm blew over. But something happened to make them leave their locked rooms, go out into the crowd, into the streets, into the public square, and tell them that they saw Jesus risen from the dead. And they went on. They would not stop telling people that they saw Jesus. They were threatened with their lives. They were, most of them, executed, martyred, as they traveled further and further out into the world to tell everyone this great thing that God had done. Now, the way uh, Mark tells us about this, see, uh, Peter was one of the disciples that went out, and he told this story of Jesus over and over. Every town, people invited him to their homes. Peter, tell us about Jesus. In the last few years of Peter's life, Mark accompanied him all the way to Rome. And Peter didn't know it at the time, but when he got to Rome, he would never leave Rome alive. And Mark says, I want to get this down. So you can just imagine the two of them. Mark and Peter, they're sitting there. Peter's telling the stories of Jesus. And they get to the part about the resurrection. Mark says, slow down. i got to get this right. And Peter says, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, he went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. There were hundreds, there were thousands of people who followed Jesus, who were excited about Jesus, who told people, Jesus, he does miracles, he teaches wonderful things, he's amazing. Who all stopped believing that Jesus was going to be ushering in the kingdom of God because there's no way God's Messiah could be crucified. But at least to honor the man, we could give him a proper burial. So very uncommon... Most uh, crucifixion victims were just thrown in a mass grave. Uh, but very uncommon, very boldly, he says, Let's, can I have the body of Jesus? And Pilate was surprised to hear that he had already died. Usually it took days. Uh, summoning the centurion, he asked him if he had already died. And when he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph bought some linen cloth, took down the body, 
wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Joseph, they saw where he was laid. So very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And then they did something I'm not sure I would have done. They entered the tomb. And then they saw a young man dressed in white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Now, that is a very subtle translation of what that word means. Okay, They were alarmed. Mm, they were terrified. And the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is risen. I caught you napping. All right, do it every year. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. And that's exactly what they did. They went and told his disciples and Peter, and some of them ran to the tomb. Some of them even went inside the tomb. And they left bewildered. Nobody expected resurrection. Nobody assumed resurrection. These weren't superstitious people. People think Jesus is going to do what dead people always do, stay dead. But in their immense curiosity now, they do go to Galilee. And I imagine it is right on the sea, kind of where the whole story started. We recruited those fishermen a few years earlier to start his earthly ministry. But right there in Galilee, on the beach, the disciples and Peter, they meet their risen Savior. It's actually very intimate. They have breakfast with him on the beach. And I can't imagine the shock and the awe that overtook them on that very morning. I mean, something incredible has happened. God has done something for this world. The kingdom of God has near, which means that you're never far away. Jesus resurrected in the flesh, living color, eating food, talking with them. Uh, that changes everything for these people. They have seen the testimony of God, that God has done what he said he would do. He has power over death and sin and everything else. So Peter, James, John, Paul, Matthew, Mark, they would all say to you today, your faith, your hope, your love, your compassion, your everything is not in vain. It is not useless because, in fact, indeed, Christ is risen from the dead. And some of you may not be convinced. And I think Peter would be the very first one to stand up and lean into you and say, I understand. I wasn't convinced either. I too lost faith. I was standing in the back of the crowd. I saw him die. But then something happened that changed everything. I saw my risen Lord. In the flesh, 
And I have spent the rest of my life risking my life so that you can know that your Savior lives. There's wonderful good news for us. And that is that they cannot cancel Easter. In the first century, they tried so hard. They knew it meant the end of all of their little religious order and and, uh, power and control and prestige. They tried everything. They could put guards in front of the tomb. They tried everything they think they could possibly do to keep it from happening because they knew if Jesus walked out of the grave, everything that he claimed to be would be true. And that would mean significant changes for their reality. But Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. And they cannot cancel Easter. Hallelujah. But you can. You actually can. See, a lot of people, even Christians... They like the concept of Easter much more than the reality of Easter. See, the reality is if if the Easter promise has not been canceled, which it hasn't, and if Jesus actually died on the cross for all of your sins and rose from the grave three days later, which he did, It means that everything he claimed to be is true. And that he has authority over you in everything. It means if the reality of the Easter resurrection and eternal life, that is true, that changes the perspective of our own lives because we are going to live forever. It means that we don't have anything to be afraid of. In this life, it changes everything. And the resistance, we see again, the religious leaders in the first century, they resisted so hard the reality that was going to turn the world upside down. They didn't want it to change their lives. And we can have the same reaction to the Easter news today because it is so overwhelming. It is, has so many implications for every aspect of our life. We can say, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, I like it, but I don't love it. If Jesus is who he claimed to be, I mean, he, ha- he has something to say about how we live our life, how we love our spouse, raise our children, do our work, serve our neighbor, volunteer in our congregation. Living a resurrected life in Jesus is completely different than living a life just for ourselves, for our own benefit or gain or comfort or anything else. So let the reality of this Easter hit you full, I mean, head on, and flip you upside down. Maybe if the pandemic flipped you upside down, this time you'll be back right side up again, however that works. But it is a wonderful miracle that we celebrate. It is the foundation of our faith. It is the event, the resurrection, the event that launched the movement that is the church today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your glorious resurrecting of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. And what an incredible testimony and guarantee that is 
of your power over life and death, and your immense love for each and every one of us. The grave has no claim on me, and the grave has no claim on any of you. And Lord, we just pray that this wonderful truth, this beautiful good news, would continue to inspire us to live lives that love you and love our neighbors. And we ask for your help, in Jesus' name, amen.